Welcome back to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture nope cast. Mm. Talking Jordan Peele's latest film, latest cinematic entry into the world of movies. We got uh for the YouTube watchers a little little Easter egg here in the background. Little UFO taking up the wabam to celebrate this <laughs> great film. So Nope has now come out a few weeks ago. You've spent, if I'm not mistaken, you've spent every waking moment since seeing Nope in opening night making that logo behind you, right? Is that correct? Well, you could say I spent a very long time trying to get the shot to look right. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you gotta spent get way the more shot. time than they needed to. Gotta get the shot. Gotta, you gotta get that UFO in the in the pick. Welcome. My name's Ernest. Uh, my name is uh, Brian. Well, my name's Hunter, but Brian is actually going to be a guest on this podcast today. Uh, Brian, the cat. cat of the podcast. Yes. And for the YouTube audience can just see my fat baby Bubba just hanging out right here, joining the party. He he nice. really wants to get on that UFO action, too, man. He, yeah. he wants to get that shot, too. I'm Drew, and I'm I'm jealous that you can trust your cat to be in room with you i might have to let her into like if she has to take a shit pretty soon but uh lucy that bitch is loud let's get lucy on so yeah we're we're remote today uh after yet another exposure to the old uh coronavirus uh i am testing negative but we do have covid in the household um so hopefully by next week we can get back to robin in person that is the plan but for now we got to give you a little nope. Hunter, you took Jordan Peele in the coveted director draft episode. And, you know, we didn't know much about what this movie was back when we did this draft. But I think we knew enough that it was Peele. Peele was coming back with, with his third movie. I think at that point we knew the title. Did we well wait? When did we do the director? It was 2020, right? Yeah, it was like, it was like early 2020. Right on the yeah no so it might have been i don't remember if we knew the title yet but i know that it was a we knew daniel kaluuya was back involved right i do remember that it was like Mm -hmm. it was like all right he's coming back i'm pretty sure kiki palmer had been announced and i was like i don't know what this is but uh i'm in on this and then the name came out nope the poster came out which is one of the best name poster combos in scary cloud i don't even know how long cloud with the little the little tassel coming down from it. He's really good at that. He's good at having like a specific motif that just like sells so well. Yeah. No, I mean, just going back, going back to get out, like the whole, the sunken place just was a thing. Us with the red jumpsuits and the scissors. Like he knows that like marketing brain of his is so good at just knowing like, I'm going to have this thing that you can just do like 
an outline or see it from far away or hear it roughly described and know what it's referencing. Image making, iconography. He's very good at that. I need to see this again. I've seen Nope now twice in the theaters. Same. This might be the best Jordan Peele's done yet. It's at least been the movie that I've been thinking about the most. Like, I cannot stop thinking about this movie. Like, I'm just always, like, I'm reading all of the think pieces. I'm, like, looking up the uh, behind the scenes of Gordy's home. I'm just ingesting so much of this movie. I love it so, so much. Yeah, I'm glad glad we waited a little bit to do our discussion about it. And we're not like coming coming right out of the gate with like a hot take review because this is definitely one to like simmer on and and run through all of the different emotions and thoughts that kind of come over you um, from this movie. Because what I got from it the first time is very different from what I got from it the second time. You got to you got to give it time to like let it sit and let it kind of unfold itself in your mind and show you its true form right well <laughs> yeah. mm. exactly. it's flowy sort of blanket like exactly. it's beautiful it's beautiful form um so so yeah i think we can give some some kind of overall thoughts but i feel like it's been long enough it's been almost a month since the movie came out um but 3 weeks at least that mm-hmm. you know most people have probably seen it and we can get into spoilers pretty quickly because i don't know how we're going to be able to really talk about this movie if we're trying to dance around spoilers but yeah I'll, I'll echo that i i really love this movie i don't know if i'll put it number one for peel um probably number two uh just because get out is just kind of such like a pitch perfect like mm-hmm. oscar winning screenplay I think this movie kind of stumbles a little bit in some of its storytelling choices. I think it could have made me care about some of the character arcs a little bit more. Um, but in terms of like the 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 scale of this movie, the what he's going for, the themes, the ideas that he's going for, this is definitely the most ambitious. And it all clicks together a lot more, a lot better than in us. I think us Mm -hmm. had a lot that it was trying to do and it kind of had a harder time making it all sort of, you know, uh, make sense by the end. I love us. I gave it a rewatch recently and I, I think that movie is aging really, really well. But I think with Nope, he managed to deliver these heady ideas in way more kind of clear and effective ways. I think I think a lot of that also comes down to tone management in this movie, because I agree. I, I love this movie a lot. Um, I, I It's hard to even compare to Get Out because I think he's really showing that he's uh, a very different filmmaker than what Get Out would imply um like he's his evolution is really wild but the one thing that no one talks about when you talk about uh the movie us let's talk about us (laughs) (laughs) um is that movie tonally is all over the fucking place not only does it end on like a way over ambitious note where like they're trying to over explain so much like broad sweeping 
like implied plot and also like you know the the social implications the monologue that lupita gives <laughs> yeah the last 20 minutes is lupita if if it's not lupita giving like one of the best performances of the last five years it's it is rough. If you just are reading it on a page, it is a rough sequence. That's pretty well agreed upon by people and discussed. But what's never discussed is that almost the first half of that movie is like too funny. It's like it's a good comedy, but it's like it's way too funny to get as heady as it does at the end. Well, yeah, no, it's like a slasher. It's like a fun 80s slasher movie for so much of the movie. It's very over the top. Every line Winston Duke says is a comedic line and he's really funny in it. And it's like, obviously it's good comedy. It's just, you can't, you can't switch up like that. Um, or if you, if you can, it wasn't done uh, as well as it could have been done. And that, you know, it's, that seems to be sort of the general consensus about that movie is it's, it's a little all over the place. Um, this movie, it totally like is pretty consistent to me and even though like within the movie we get comedy we get you know we get drama we get like fucking agony and tension um it does feel like it's all a part of the same movie i think one of the ways he accomplishes that in this movie is uh pacing like this thing feels really measured throughout most of the movie like it feels like we're you know we're we're taking our time easing into things uh, and I, I appreciated that because this is a weird ass fucking movie and I think it needs to feel it needs to feel weird. And one way to get the audience like, you know, on the backs of their heels is to fuck with timing. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that the weirdness, it could go a couple of different ways. You know, I think that there's going to be people and there are people I've I've seen some takes that aren't really clicking with this movie uh, too much because it's not really like a conventional horror sci-fi kind of movie. I think that one of the things that makes Peel special is that he's positioned himself as the type of filmmaker who is now at a place with his third movie that he is able to get weird. Like as inspired as this movie is by Spielberg, you know, Close Encounters, Jaws and Shyamalan with something like Signs, it's also very anime inspired. And oh, Hunter, yeah. you can get oh, into yeah. the Neon Genesis Evangelion of it all, too, uh, because that was something that I didn't expect from this movie is like, oh, this guy is like getting really weird, like anime nerdy weird. And I think that people, you know, are not going to fully click with that. And then on top of that, you're adding all these like really heady themes about like nature and art and trauma and commerce and spectacle and we'll get into all of that but it's like it feels really good to be hit with a movie in the middle of the summer that can do the big bombastic you know kind of genre stuff because it is like a ufo movie and it's doing all of that kind of eerie tension building stuff that you want from a movie like that but then it's also embedded with all these deep ideas and coming off of something like thor love and thunder which i defended <laughs> and like you know i i can't i Oof. can't like even come close to uh say that like that's a real movie when you have something like this like this is a real movie this this has like weight to it and it makes something like that feel so just like airless and just disposable mm -hmm. 
You know, I I think for that reason, well, kind of piggybacking off what you're saying, one of the reasons why Nope is like kind of just as it's sitting in real time, it's becoming my favorite Jordan Peele project yet is because like you said before, I think I drafted him second round of our director's draft. If I can remember back two and a half years ago. And one of the reasons was, is because I knew that he had his best was yet to come. And this is just like such a big step where he said, I'm not going to be the next John. Well, I could be the next John Carpenter. I could also be the next Steven Spielberg if I wanted to. Like this has the spectacle and original storytelling that you see that you used to see out of like the old greats, the Spielbergs, even the George Lucases, kind of those big tentpole directors, but doesn't really get made anymore. And this nope is not a perfect film by any means. There definitely are some points, like you were saying, where I think the first act is like a little bit too long. And it's like, all right, we got the setup. Come on, like, let's get into it. And then once it hits its stride, that last hour is just like fireworks. Mm -hmm. But this really elevated the potential that Jordan Peele has in my mind, because now I think that his his ceiling is kind of limitless at this point. Like, I don't know what he can't do. If he's able to take these big, heavy ideas and make them as digestible as he does in a film like this, that mass audiences can just like walk in and then leave and be like, man, that was a really fun alien movie. Also, I got really sad at that monkey and I can't explain why. (laughs) And that's like how a lot of people in my theater were reacting to it. They like liked it, but they couldn't even put their thumb necessarily on what the aspects were that they liked about it. And that's what great filmmakers do. Great filmmakers don't need to necessarily make you like have to write up a billion think pieces and have to study what this symbolism meant in order to enjoy the movie that you're watching in real time. I think Get Out does kind of the best version, the best popcorn version of that. But Nope is trying to have more. I think everything in Nope has so much more weight to it than anything Get Out does, personally. Yeah, it's well, and yeah, it's because I think we're slowed down. And also, Get Out's script is perfect. The, 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 I don't know, there's baggage that comes with having a script as perfect as that because that means that everything has to tie up without question. Like that movie has such an un- impeccably delivered message that, like, you know, you it was so original and out of nowhere that there ended up being like the billion think pieces and the the spawns of of new things. But that movie communicates its ideas really, really well. It's almost incredible, like how he mm-hmm. does that. But that's doesn't really seem to be what Jordan Peele is interested in doing moving forward. I think he had to sort of in us. Uh, I feel like he had the the right instinct. And then at the end of the movie, he sort of caved and didn't want everything to be vague. Right. Um, but the primary critiques that I'm seeing of Nope seem to be coming from people who are they're either unwilling or they're unable to accept the fact that it's just weird. It's a weird yeah. movie. Like, it's fucking weird. You know, that's the Shyamalan to it. Shyamalan is at his best when he's like, here's a weird idea that I have. And I'm just going to like go with it. And you're either going to be on board or you're not. They go to a beach. It makes them old. That's it. That's it. <laughs> OK. And the story isn't ex- insanely tightly wound. There is a little bit, you know, there's like a side quest, like B plot that like 
it ties in very much thematically to what's going on but a lot of people will be like why did we even have to see that i'm hearing that so much about this sequence that to me was just like a vision that jordan peele fucking had and he was like let me figure out how to put this in my movie you know yeah, what i mean he literally he tweeted he had a dream it was in a dream that he had that it, it like it looks and sounds fucking incredible and it, and and it has just unbelievable tension that's why it's in the fucking movie cuz that's what movies are made of <laughs> like you get, people are overthinking things way too much with this cuz they're expecting another perfectly delivered message from the script it's like he no he's allowed to be as weird as he fucking wants you know if the if the filmmaking is good like you're still going to be watching and be interested right and also i i i feel like you have to give the movie, like we said at the beginning, time to 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 soak in. And I think this has the potential to be one of those movies that when you give it a decade, two decades, it's going to soak in even more. It's going to be wild to see how this movie ages. I mean, this is like kind of hyperbolic to even say, but even when you compare it to something like 2001 A Space Odyssey, like the the myriad ways that people read that movie and how heady and weird that movie is like this has the potential to be something like that and it's crazy people are probably rolling their eyes thinking like oh this guy's fucking comparing nope to 2001 but i feel like it's kind of in not that not that peel is trying to be the next kubrick because that's not what it is he's peel he's just the next peel he's just doing his own thing but in the vein of like a movie that you have to put yourself in a mode to give it that chance and and give it that time and work like have your brain work to figure things out and and to piece things together and it's not going to give you all the answers and peel isn't going to do fucking interviews for collider or whatever the fuck to explain <laughs> how gordy fits into the movie he trusts you to do it he did a whole den of geeks profile where he <laughs> yeah. analyzed 78 easter eggs in the film nope he did a video with cinema sins um actually <laughs> shitting all over his own movie he went on watch mojo <laughs> and went on the top 10 most understood things of nope yeah like he's like it's... oh actually aliens are not known to exist for sure so <laughs> <laughs> i here's the thing like i just think you're so right. Like, it's the sign of a good filmmaker when it's not necessarily everybody is piecing everything together at the exact same time. I think that the scene that we're kind of alluding to that some audience members aren't liking, I saw this film on opening night with Gaia, and she was very upset by the sequence that we're referring to because it is a very upsetting Horrifying. scene. And it doesn't very intentionally upsetting on the surface, it does not necessarily directly relate to what you are seeing on the A yeah. plot of the film. But then after the movie ended, we kind of talked about it a little bit. We both independently continued to think on that movie more and more as time went on and i it's my favorite scene in the entire movie like i think it is one of the most affecting sequences and like the most glued to my chair that i have felt in the theater in yeah. so long like i came and remember yeah, the last time that, that struck that exact feeling in a movie theater exactly it's just it's it's visceral and it's i don't think that it's worth like i've heard people critiquing this idea because it is 
like you said, he did end up saying that it was based on a dream. It is pretty clear that like this is a vision he had and he wrote to figure out how to include it. I don't care. Like that's that's not a legitimate critique to me uh just because like the visual came before the story. Like not every story has to be written as if it's a jigsaw puzzle. You know what I mean? Exactly. You can you can go from vision to vision. And this movie I think a reason that it works really well in this movie is because the movie has such insane restraint, like generally speaking to it, Um, like in every single scene, almost until the end, he's giving you tension and tension and tension and then just moving on and not resolving it. So it makes sense for there to be almost this non sequitur sequence of just extreme tension that you're even wondering why it's there. Um, Because we're in the middle of a movie of scenes that don't make sense until three scenes later. Like, so it, it all, it all fits together. It's just, I think it's a little looser than people want. People, people want to cling so tightly to like, no, what is the thematic? Yeah. You know, what are we getting here? Well, also there's, like, there's multiple interpretations for what the movie is trying to say. And not one thing is just the one correct answer. Right. It's like th- there's multiple interpretations. And it is, and it is trying to say a lot. And there are thematic messages also though. Not every single scene or moment has to be tied to a message. It, this is a movie. This is a like a, a horror film. Like, you know what I mean? People are expecting to to gain like a moral from this movie. I I don't think it's. I think it's asking more questions than it is answering anything. It's interrogating so many different ideas of like what we like how exploitative we are as a people and how yeah how we exploit nature how we exploit how we exploit natural life natural even human life by by insisting on recording everything there there are so many different angles but i don't think that the point of this movie was to close up shop and be like well i figured it out i jordan peele have the answer to this it's just him being like isn't this shit fucked up well it's it's drawing connections between different things it's like yeah you you have you have you know, our obsession with spectacle on one side, like that's a whole theme and our need yeah. to process trauma through spectacle. We have that addiction to, to content and to turning everything into content. And we have this like he- deep human desire to conquer nature and to try to control the chaos of nature. And he's just trying to draw these, these lines in connecting these dots and yeah it's not like i have all the answers it's just like huh isn't it interesting how a movie like this about a ufo can also be about all these things and how they're related to each other yeah oh and by the way it's also it's like visually unbelievable and and it has unreal performances uh and and like i said the tone and pacing are both fascinating like I I really hate the discourse of just being so caught up on figuring out what exactly he's trying to say. What is the like if he's not trying to say anything with this scene then why even put it in a movie? Like what? You need to you need to get a fucking yeah, that's grip. The worst. Well, it's because people it's because Jordan Peele has reached this level of filmmaker where people don't view him the same way they do some other indie art house director. People aren't asking this is a bad example, but like they aren't asking Sean Baker, like, hey, can you explain 
everything that you were going for with Red Rocket and all of your motivations and everything else. Like, like they're expecting that from Jordan Peele because he had a budget of how much was it on this? $68 million to make an original movie, which just doesn't happen anymore. We love so to because see of it. that, people I yeah, no, it's the best. But we I do want I do want uh Sean Baker to explain how big Simon Rex's penis is. Oh, and he has <laughs> frequently. He that's the only thing he talks about. This, um, I I feel like this movie is also a lot of it feels like Jordan Peele like on purpose sort of trying to buck that image that he has of like our modern like moral giver. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think he wants to be that. I don't think that was ever his intention. And so he made this movie that like very, you know, purposefully uh, doesn't close up a lot of its loose ends. And I think that fucking rules because like even movies that don't have loose ends, like it, it's just not fair to interrogate all of his movies in particular this one way. Like people don't ask like, you know, people aren't don't talk about Jaws as like a critique of capitalism. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 Jaws is an entertaining movie to watch. Like this movie is entertaining as fuck. And it also does raise like extremely heady, big questions and they play into the movie. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I feel but like, like if you do watch Jaws, then you pick up on like, oh, this is actually just like really like scathing critique of just like like absolutely. the mayor of this town is the worst human being in the world. Like, but you don't pick you don't think about that. You think big monster like the old man character. Like, what does he have to do with the theme? It's like, no, it's just entertaining at a certain point. Like you also put in things that make movie <laughs> into movie. Yeah, it, it all the discourse around this movie has been really frustrating me because I feel like I'm going nuts being like, were you guys just even trying to enjoy well, it? It happened with us too. Like if people were so fixated on like, well, how did they get the scissors and the jumpsuits? And what happens if they're, if uh, spoilers for us, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> uh, if they control, if the tethered control the people from above ground, like what, how are they functioning beyond the bounds of the, caverns and the tunnels it's like they're trying to apply all this logic to a movie that is like so symbolic and metaphorical it's it's mm -hmm. kind of a similar thinking of like peel is not interested in like taking it all so literally that's not mm -hmm. really what he's mm -hmm. about he's more so interested in how it makes you feel and what it makes you think about and that's the the key movies do have to follow some sort of internal logic and it really feels like this movie does. Um, like, I mean, like you said, Ernest, this is not a perfect movie by any means. It has some, it has little, yeah, like script inconsistencies, not in terms of like all the plot adding up. I wasn't so concerned with that. It was more, like you said, um, sort of making you care about certain characters or certain arcs. Um, I will say one thing about Jordan Peele that's consistent in every movie now. He loves himself a super fucking stoic protagonist character. Oh, man. Yeah, he oh, is. Kaluuya is like, he's he, so quiet. Kaluuya is a book you cannot read in yeah. this movie. Like, he, he is so, he's so small in his acting, and it's so good. I have so many, especially seeing this film a second time and, like, knowing where it's going and the plot beats, you can really everything that Kaluuya is doing it's like oh 
it's uh, Chloe is already probably my favorite actor alive right now. And then it's just like, oh, you have this other like change up that I did not know that you had in your arsenal here that I was not expecting you to play like small, quiet uh, horse guy who has no isn't incapable of making relationships with other human beings. It it um it makes sense in the context of this movie, because this movie also is playing a lot off of traditional Westerns. Um, which always feature a pretty stoic protagonist, right. you know, cowboy. Um, yeah, that said, like at a certain point, I was like, I need you to give me something. <laughs> Your sister <laughs> is worried about you. <laughs> well, let's let's get into some more specifics. So, if you haven't seen the movie, this is your your final warning to go check it out. It is in theaters right now. Please go see it. See it on the biggest screen possible. This is one of those yeah. movies where like it's big and loud. Yeah, and, dark yeah. room, the sound design, the nighttime photography looks gorgeous in the theater. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, I was going to say before we and this is a transition into spoilers is that this I think that we crowned it to Top Gun Maverick prematurely. Uh, we were just like, give it all the technical awards, which still give top gun maverick plenty of technical love but the sound design of this movie is some of the most insane shit i've ever heard in my life it's so like it truly is like the depth i saw it again in um dolby and just hearing the layers in the sound in a dolby theater i was like getting my brain rocked by what i was hearing i've never fucking scary man sound layer like that it's insane truly insane final spoiler warning when we hear the fucking the what do we call it the creature The well, it's not even you aren't hearing the, the creature, you're hearing the screams I know, that are when, inside of the creature. Exactly. When the creature is flying over and you hear those screams, like the the sounds of the, the screams, like it doesn't register. It's it's mm-hmm. like these all these layers of sound that when you're watching the movie for the first time, you don't realize exactly what you're hearing. You're it's just like Almost mm-hmm. like a wall of sound that's slowly coming at you as this thing is flying over. And then mm-hmm. on the rewatch, every time I heard that sound, it was fucking horrifying because I knew that it was like all these people getting like digested. <laughs> It's like this mix of sound and you can like almost try and pick it out whenever the scenes are like more defined, like they're inside or like it's the aliens like closer up and everything. But like this mix of wind and horses neighing and also like different tones from humans of all kinds of different ages and like crunching of bones. And yeah, it's. insane like the layering of like i just wish that i could just like see like a an audio file of like yeah. all the different layers that are inside it's of like this 200 tracks <laughs> put that shit on audacity <laughs> the the technical side of it is is unreal and just the the design of this uh spacecraft which it as it turns out is the extraterrestrial that's a great idea in itself Jordan's writing process with this movie especially is so cool to me because he is 
this movie, a lot of it is about exploitation and the exploitation of real life. He is taking so much shit out of real life and putting it in this movie. Like he's doing the thing in this movie. Um, the UAP it, it, discussion, the reference they, to the Navy videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the character design and the way, particularly the way that this thing moves through air is based directly off of the military videos that were released by the New York Times of you know real unidentified flying objects that you know they do not have any explanation for because one of the one of my favorite it's just like a weirdly little unsettling thing is the way that this creature changes direction it's like the laws of physics are not applying to it there's no force applied and that's exactly what's going on in that video with those little orbs that they're chasing um even though that's a super blurry video um another thing that he's pulling from which we'll we'll get into because he he did make up um this little you know this um animal handling studio mm-hmm. being like the first like yeah the the first black owned he like he made up a lot of that from whole cloth which is really interesting but um a lot of the monkey story there there's a lot of stuff pulled from real life even though this never obviously happened to like a child in a sitcom setting um uh, the the Charlotte Nash story from from years back is definitely majorly at play, especially later on in the movie when you see uh, the woman who had been attacked by the monkey and she's wearing that visor. That's what Charlotte Nash wears when she goes mm-hmm. out in public um, to this day. So like he is his process. He is exploiting real stories while making the movie about how we exploit everything. I love it. No, it literally is. I mean, there's so many different things. Even like the whole like, I mean, we talk about with the um, what is the name of the actor who plays the cinematographer? But just like, I will die to get the perfect shot. I'm sure Michael that he Wincott. like is just like, yeah, Michael Wincott. I'm sure that he's like, this is my uh, audience. This is my surrogate for the film. Is that I will die <laughs> doing whatever. <laughs> Gotta it takes get to that get shot, shot, man. It's it's golden hour. I love how because we're we're gonna talk a lot about Stephen Yun and that entire subplot, which uh, to me the idea of questioning why it's in the movie is insane because it's so cool. Every second of it's it also, is the it's, best, dude. The best sequence, like the best sequence. So of that the year. no, so that <laughs> so that good. sequence is your favorite. My favorite scene in the whole movie is when Stephen uh, enters into his shrine to the monkey. <laughs> And then gives the most disconcerting monologue about an SNL sketch where Chris Kattan plays the monkey. <laughs> Rushing. I, so Which I again, pulling from real life, the using theater, real cast members. Literally in the theater, I was like, man, Drew's going to love this. Drew's <laughs> going to love old SNL references. <laughs> Talking Kattan. Like, and one of my like three favorite actors right now, too, just absolutely... this. It's like a lynch scene because the what is being said is does not match up with the tone or the way his face is right. or the music being played the music is scary it's all scary what he's saying isn't necessarily very disconcerting out of context but in context you're like what the fuck why is he speaking so slowly and measuredly about this snl sketch about his trauma i wrote down it's it's my favorite like non consequential scene in like years you know it's my favorite scene that like you could argue it doesn't you know it's not climactic it's just pure fucked up (laughs) um and it also comes out of fucking nowhere because you just see him as like a kind of a goofball up to that point right it is consequential in 
what one of the main themes of the movie is like it all clicks together it's very thematic well that's the thing is you know every second of steven yun is thematically really important to the movie but that that isn't what a lot of people are sort of looking for when they're looking for things to be tied together they're looking for you know a to b and it makes sense for him to exist in the movie but like to get into all that i was over the fucking moon you're so right hunter i was i was my mouth was like on the fucking floor during that whole scene i was like what is going on that room is like a liminal space it's so dreamy like yeah he oh paid a couple like or he he charged a couple like fifty thousand yeah. dollars to sleep I, I loved it like yeah i love this the little detail that like people are weirdly obsessed with this like yeah in well, this it's, world it, it's so realistic about like how anything like that if that were to happen like this story it would have this whole cult following there'd be a fucking season of cereal that's about how did we allow this to happen like there'd just be all this yeah. bullshit media that would be like tied up in the after well, and then looping back to the fact that steven yun is exploiting his own trauma yeah (laughs) for the sake of entertainment like not even just that of others that whole aspect that you just touched on about steven yun exploiting his old trauma is like the most beautiful thing this movie does because fucking we all exploit our own trauma in some kind of way shape or form and like of just like whether it's like self-masochistic or actually in like more of a really true way of using some traumatic experience that happened in your life to like sell a book or anything like that and i'm not by the way not dismissing that uh if something happened to you you do you and you promote that in any way that you need to Uh, no hunter tell him how to deal with it go off (laughs) but like that's such an interesting idea that i've never actually seen like put into a film before i've seen people exploiting other people that happens all the time in movies that happens all the time in real life but not you exploiting your own trauma that well just especially it's so fleshed out because it's a movie about exploitation and then the fact that he he then goes on a you know, you can argue that that's a part of why he's spared by this monkey because, like, in a way, they're kind of both exploitation victims. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, on on this child TV actor. show, he's, yeah, child actors are mega exploited just as much as any animal. Um, and so, like, and also, like, I don't know. There's just there's so many connections in there that, like, once you think about them, and once you if you're talking to someone even if not all of them are with intent, like you feel really good after you think of all of them because you're like, Oh wow. And the fist bump is, it's not exploitation of that predator. That's the agreement that Daniel Kaluuya is talking about that you have to have with one. The kid Mm -hmm. has the agreement with him of the fist bump, but it's not a part of the agreement to have like the fucking balloons popping and blah, blah, blah. It's the, the idea, the, the theme of like trying to control nature, right? The chaos yeah. of nature, the, the, the hubris of thinking that they can take this chimp and domesticate it to the point where it can act on a television set yeah. is directly linked well, to have Yoon, you... Yoon's character, uh, Jupe, thinking that he can do a whole show around the creature, around the alien to exactly. sell tickets to which by the way what a what a dumbass (laughs) but that's america baby we just find ways to make that bag it made me wish almost that this movie was taking place in like the 90s maybe just because like 
man, like, fuck. Like, Because you know it. if aliens showed up, <laughs> that shit's happening. That's kind of the worst part that, like, left me with this movie is, like, man, I hate that this is probably as realistic as it's going to get as humans' interactions to yeah. aliens. Like, could you imagine... Could, could you imagine if like fucking Disney World discovered aliens first? Like mm. uh, it's done. Like yeah. it's fucking done. The deep series of like following the spaceship around. It's just it's, it's almost insane. It's it's almost just like too quaint what what Jupe's idea to do with with this animal is where he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna have an old fashioned stage show with it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're dumb as hell, bro. I mean, like, it's all—it's the only thing he has resources to so, do. Well, that's the th- so, did he make this entire theme park centered around this, like within the last six months while this has been happening? No. Yeah, so they I mentioned off been... cuff that like it used to be something else, and yeah. they bought it out. So, yeah, I think you might be right. I think you might be right because. But my assumption was that there was a park there, so he probably bought it and did some rebranding. Yeah, like but once like... the alien thing started happening, he was like, "Oh, perfect." Yeah, he's like, oh, this is my pivot. But like beforehand, it was just, it was like, they said, Kiki called it like, it was like the gold mine or some shit like that. So they didn't have to do like much rebranding. And I'm sure that probably he got a fat ass settlement from the Gordy's home thing that he's just been like sitting on (laughs) his cash cow, waiting for the right time to strike. And he's like, oh, there's a nice, uh, a nice spot open up in the yeah. valley, a little amusement park. I'll just purchase that and see what happens. Well, go, going back to your point, Hunter, about like how realistic it would be for an alien to show up and and people just to try to like make a, a buck off of it. Like the idea that this movie essentially has its entire climax centered around what they call the Oprah shot. Like I love that because it's like we have proof that there are uaps and and ufos but we no one is convinced that there's like actual aliens because the 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 proof is not proof enough so you need mm-hmm. that oprah shot to convince people that it's real like that's the the priority for these people is like we're going to get rich getting the most in refutable indisputable proof of alien life by getting that high quality imax quality crystal clear picture and the entire climax of the movie is built around it and that's actually my favorite part of the movie is the whole get the shot sequence because like basically the 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 same emotion that you said earlier you felt during the Gordy stuff I was feeling during that like I was literally sit sitting on the edge of my seat gripping the seat like fully locked into this movie as Kaluuya is riding that horse trying to bait the creature to fly in front of the camera so they can get that shot and the way the music is set to that sequence and just again the scale the way it's shot it's just like I've never seen anything like that before that that gave me a feeling of like, holy shit, I'm watching like a new thing right now, like a new standard for sci fi, like blockbuster genre movie making. It it just it really, really floored me that entire sequence. It's it's incredible. 
And then everything that happens after that, when the alien actually opens up and reveals itself, is like really when the movie changes. Um, because I I mean, talk about like not expecting it to go that way. Like, did anyone predict that A, the UFO was gonna be a creature, and B, that it was gonna look like that, like some beautiful, be like origami. I was about to act up. I wish that thing would push me through his tube, you know. Yeah, what I mean? bro. <laughs> I'm Michael Wincott over here. Like, suck me up, baby. Let me see it. Um, <laughs> suck me. Put like a deep voice filter on me. Suck me up, baby. Shit in the whole podcast talking like this. But literally, he was cast on voice alone. So <laughs> he's like a man. classic, like a horror guy. And yeah, Wincott? and voice actor. Um, yeah, like a voice acting guy, obviously, with that voice. Brian, you fucking cannot. Jesus Christ. Um, Sorry, Brian is all up in my business right now. Um, So you're like, I've never seen the depiction of aliens before, like as just the ship is alien. Like that is just such a wholly unique and original idea. The way that it looks, though, and the whole idea of, like, don't look it in the eyes and how that ties back to, like, the first time we meet Kalia where he's like, don't look the horse in the eyes. Yeah. Like, that's just the whole thing. Respect and a lot of animals don't like to be looked in the eyes. It makes them, like, it makes them fearful. It make, you look them in the eyes out in nature whenever you're, like, trying to fight or and it makes everybody defensive. Mm-hmm. And so the way that that ties back around is just so, so well done. Kaluuya is like what he's doing in this movie as playing horse guy is just like a very specific type of person and I can't imagine because Kaluuya is like he's he's not like a method actor and an annoying Jared Leto kind of way but he is a method actor and that he wants to do as much research about the roles as possible and I'm sure he's directly modeling his performance after just being around horse guys because like if you've ever spent a lot of time like i have some family that's from kind of the country of south georgia and everything and there's a lot of people i know like cousins of cousins and shit like that that are like they feel closer with like their farm animals than they do with other human beings and they're just like usually don't speak very much because they don't really have much to say or like much thought on like politics or pop culture or anything like that they're just like i take care of i take care of the pigs that's that's what i do is i, I take care of the pigs Honey, and so like, like serial killer family it's just <laughs> it's, it's just a very specific type of person that he's channeling and it's so good like it's so well realized and it's not in any kind of a showy way it's interesting that like this is the first performance i've seen him in since uh judas and the black messiah which is and this like kind of those powerful two polar ends of each other it's like oh this is why you're just the best actor alive yeah. it's because you one, have dude. that range right there and luckily the uh like the intense like stoicism and quiet of that character gets balanced by kiki palmer who like you know we're on record uh being big fans of her um her character is really interesting to me because the way she is introduced um i wasn't super stoked to get to know that character much more because it's this weirdly considering the rest of that script her introduction is so super written um 
as, as like she is coming in and she's she's like being the most and that doesn't turn out being exactly what her character is like her character has restraint to her she has way more uh you know she's way more extra than fucking kaluya is because he he's giving you you know he's giving you weird guy mode <laughs> um but that's why I, I really, really enjoyed when, once her character stabilizes out later in the script and we get introduced to Angel, who I thought absolutely killed it. Like I, this guy. Yeah, um, the Fry's, Fry's Electronics guy, Brandon Perea. Perea? He was, you know, he was a total unknown for me before this. And I thought he absolutely knocked it out of the park. I do think that Dave Franco needs to fire his agent. Right. Um, cause this, this role, Dave Franco was this, this role is a Dave Franco type. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect guy to just come in and, and it's like, it's a perfect dynamic there where like, he's just there to help, but he doesn't know exactly what he's helping with. He just, yeah, he serves his purpose perfectly. Whereas like in us with Winston Duke, like at a certain point, like halfway into the movie, when he's still making dumb jokes, I'm like, shut up, man. Like shit is going down already. <laughs> um, right. Even though, like, he delivered, he, like, he's perfect in that movie. It's just that the script that kind of bugged me at a certain point in that movie. Angel, I feel like it, it, this movie is never trying to be pure comedy. Um, so anytime Angel inserts some into it, it, I think that it's well received. At least in my case, like, he, yeah, you always need that kind of comic relief a little bit, and people are expecting that from Peel too. Like, we know oh, that Peel wants to do that. Funny and guy, this, and it also it softens the edges of this absolutely insane cinematographer character because <laughs> watching like coarse film of animals mauling each other. Yeah, we we need someone like Kiki Palmer can't be the she can't be the only person representing us uh, looking at that guy and being like, what in the fuck is your deal? Like you we have to see someone on screen acknowledging how absolutely weird that man is because that man is so weird. Yeah. And they form a little bit of a crew at the uh, at the end there. They're like a little four person film crew. That's another thing that this movie just throws in there. It's also like a love letter to movie making and like below the line crew uh <laughs> and it's just like you got you got your cinematographer you got your on camera talent you a- got Angel's your the best boy yeah you yeah. got your ad with the do you think with... deacons watches this and he's just like you know i'm still waiting to find my shot oh hell yeah <laughs> no he did he found it he what found it. don't shut don't you fucking mention blade runner 2049 um <laughs> So, well, so structurally, this movie, it, it, it's really weird because bef- before we get to that point, which is like the third act is is like this little crew coalescing and becoming a thing. Um, the movie shows you the worst thing that it shows you, which to me wasn't even uh, the monkey sequence. It was everyone being fucking digested. Dude, that is such <laughs> a terrifying. claustrophobic scene. And that, the way that like it's set up too, it shot to me. Yeah. yeah, it's it's set up in just that, you know, that fun way. It's the shot, a few shots from the trailer of them gathering everybody in that little uh, um, that little outdoor theater mm-hmm. area for the show. And when you first see this thing, just suck everybody up, because that's also the reveal that that's not a ship. That's a creature. Like, right. And that all happening right kind of on top of each other. It is, it's so, so well done. I mean, again, talking about the sound, whenever they are inside of that ship, the, the way that it, there's almost like this, like, 
plastic yeah. sound. Well, it's like a it fabric. Like it's, it's yeah. Well, th- that's how it looks. But like in the theater, like I don't know how they. It sounds like they recorded the audio almost in like a very poorly like a, a it, it wasn't recorded like in a sound studio with like good sound production around it like there was something almost like kind of old school plastic and yeah like it just sounded almost kind of flimsy sound to it and it adds to like that air flowing that whooshing that you're hearing along with just kind yeah, of the it, visceral guttural it's noises so, <laughs> it's so cool i love the way i love the way the thing uh, let's just call it Jean Jacket. Like, let's respect the fucking thing. Jean, yeah. that's Jean right. Jacket. I, I love the, I love the way Jean Jacket uh, moves in that first scene when you see it swoop down. It's very. It follows a lot of like fluid dynamics, almost like it's a stingray. Um, the yeah, way like the way that it kind of cuts through the air. Yeah. Um, and then man, inside that tube, I couldn't stop thinking about how fun it would be to do the production design of of actually building that physical tube because that is not a you know that's not a screened in thing they built that tube and those people are like crawling through it weirdly so good <laughs> so i mean it it looks like they're It'd be a they're fun day on getting set. like sucked up through a straw yeah and there's like a ton of like like sand and dust in there because he sucked it all up you can see it all over um it, it's just fast and you can almost hear like gurgles and burps like it's like you said like it's just layers on layers on layers of like what this would sound like and then when you're outside of it when you hear them flying around it's almost like they're amplified through it like you, you just hear like ah! <laughs> yeah well it's like it's that sound of like of like screaming at the end of a tunnel yeah. like that's almost the the sound effect that it's making it's echoing yeah so it's just it fascinates me that like almost like Toward like end of first act slash maybe beginning of second, it gives you the monkey thing. Then end of second act, it gives you this like full digestion and then raining blood on the house, which is absolutely oh, sick. So that's that that's shot, if it's not the monkey thing, that shot is like just hovering. I, like that entire sequence, my hands were just like covering my mouth, my eyes. And I was like, I can't, I've never seen anything so beautiful in my entire life. Like, I don't know how so he cool. got this shot of just the blood raining down the house and then daniel kaluuya stepping out in the fog i was like oh my god what well, when, when he's in right? the car and he looks up and he's like nope i did have <laughs> he just waits it out i was like is this the most beautiful movie ever made i had this thought to myself <laughs> right around the sequence the so the cinematographer for this movie if, if do y'all know his name he is yeah he's like von Hoytema. Yeah, yeah, he's the like premier IMAX guy in Hollywood right yeah, this, now. Like, this if... guy is buff enough to put an IMAX camera on his shoulder. Like he <laughs> just walks around he's with huge. a fucking shoulder a... mount. IMAX he trains camera. his he goes to the gym and puts dumbbells like on his shoulder <laughs> and just like walks around the gym. <laughs> he wa- he worked mainly with uh Nolan. He's shot like a yeah. ton of Nolan stuff, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet. Yeah. Um, so this the this movie is so wide and like tall it's so too. Like I, those those nighttime sequences early on where you you don't really know what's going on yet. The, when he's kind of out there with the horse trying to figure out like what's out there, that's some of my favorite uh stuff cinematography wise because you haven't kicked into that gear yet of just like high energy. Um, you're still in that like kind of building tension mode and to pair that with the look of the movie in those scenes 
is perfect because the way it just kind of sits there and holds on these exteriors of this valley and the way they managed to make it look at night in this just expansive kind of bluish nighttime. I've never seen anything like it. It's stunning. It's stunning. You're kind of looking around, seeing this in IMAX. It's like, it's such a tall screen yeah, that you're kind of all over the You're screen. like, where is it? Where the fuck is it? It's going to fly out of one of these corners. It's also though, like, I mean, there is that whole aspect of like, you're just, especially after seeing it the first time, I'm like always looking for the cloud in the shot. That I'm just like, wait, cloud. where is it? Where is that fucking cloud? Scary but cloud. It really, it does this. And the only other movie that I can think of in recent memory that does this super well is Nomadland of capturing that western feel to it like there's something about if you've ever been out in the west coast or if you live on the west coast and come east then you'll notice it that just once you reach a certain point heading midwest towards the west coast the sky just feels bigger yeah. i don't know you're higher up in elevation so you're closer to the curvature of the earth i don't know what exactly it is but if you've ever been anywhere out west the sky just feels insurmountable it feels so huge and this movie i mean especially because so much of it is flipping the camera up and just looking up at the sky but it captures how vast and endless that sky especially like the nighttime sky can feel whenever you are out there in the west there's a theory that i wanted to ask you guys about that i don't know if i agree with this but I think it's worth kind of like at least discussing how crazy is it that Gordy, they they make allusions to him being a, a chimp that goes to space, right? He's very good at space flight. Is Gordy an alien? And is he related <laughs> to Jean Jacket? And his jean jacket seeking revenge <laughs> for the heinous murder of Gordy. And is that why Jean Jacket is targeting these humans, specifically Stephen Yun? Do you want no. the short answer or the long answer? It's it's a no. Because the short answer is no. Um, and the long answer um, is also no. Um, it's so. uh, there. I mean, the thing, yeah, this is this is a part of a lot of you know, theories that have been coming about trying to find a, a more firm connection between the two plot lines. I, I don't, I definitely don't think that it's an alien. Um, if this, the thing is though, if they've established that it's been a space, maybe it's just come into contact with jean jacket and jean jacket was just like, Oh, funny Cute monkey. I, I follow it. I follow it back to earth. <laughs> By the way, we don't, we don't know if jean jacket is even an alien. They never say, like, I'm glad that this movie doesn't have, like, the scientist guy. It actually, yeah, in. no, there's a there's a post-credit <laughs> sequence, and it's like, actually, that's the that's the FBI. Yeah, into that's, the nope. Remember, do you guys remember the end of old? They actually, that's actually what's... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, I think about Holy it every shit. night. Oh, I tell a bedtime story every night to make myself go to sleep and it's, it's just the so end of insane we could have it's ended in the movie m night the movie was it, over 
it's just like that's the thing is this type of movie where it gets into all of like the the power of cinema blah 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 like getting that shot this could have been so obnoxious you yeah. know and it's and the fact that it's not like yeah m night makes m night makes nope and it keep like they show up to to where they're at where where uh kaluuya and kiki are oj and m and mm-hmm. there's like a bunch of like secret like fbi cia mm-hmm. uh defense department guys that come in and just take over the last 15 minutes of the movie yeah no, and one of them you know one what, of them is played by that. m night m night <laughs> is like the head of it no you know how the m night version of this ends is that we actually we zoom out and we realize we actually aren't on earth at all we're the aliens and we're on Whoa. their planet well okay on a serious note though you're all t- touching on something here because this movie ends and presumably the giant dupe blow up kills Jean Jacket. Jean Jacket tries to, to eat the blow up thing and explodes. So mm-hmm. there, there are some thematic ideas here at play of like, they're trying to get this shot. They want to get the Oprah shot. They, it looks like they got it. We don't know if it's going to actually like, I'm a thing. spoiler alert now. I it's not going to go anywhere. No, no, to the journey to convince the they're on the they go on Fallon, they go on Kimmel, they're trying to like talk about the shot. They try and go on Oprah, and she's like, I'm sorry, I have a I have a whole thing set with Prince Harry, so like, yeah, kind I of can't. Booked. Sorry, um, but th- this idea of like they're in it just for the grandeur of the the spectacle right they want the glory they want the riches oj also wants to be at peace we haven't mentioned um keith david yet plays the the dad wants to be at peace with the death of his father really wants really a really cool death in the very beginning yeah yeah god coin through the eyeball that's fucking extremely cool i told i often tell people that's how i want to go out yeah before this movie i was even saying just like just throw a coin so hard at my face that it's just well really it's like poop out a coin so (laughs) hard yeah can you poop a coin into my eyes so hard that i die perfectly just right through it (laughs) and um and so they 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 have these reasons why they want to get this shot or or why they want to uh capture this this thing make sense of it control it in some way control the chaos and they end up killing it and so what that is kind of saying is that like at the end of the day we're the monsters this is a monster movie you know you got jaws we're hunting jaws and at the end it's like this is kind of a beautiful creature whose nature we don't understand and and we we fail at comprehending and so all we can do is destroy it because we don't understand it it's also sort of like an well at the end of the day if if the thing is coming after your ass like <laughs> if it's <laughs> sucking up all your friends yeah. you know it's yeah it's like yeah i'm like you're not you're not like necessarily mad at kiki you're like well i mean it was her the fucking yeah you're gonna be like oh man i really wish that they could have found a way to communicate with this creature yeah um it also I, but it also does sort of play into the you know the idea that um maybe he was more than just like you know sort of roaming the territory here maybe he was sort of a watcher um you know and we you know we like humans were 
an amount of spectacle for him because um we well the, the i think the biggest piece of evidence to back that up because it is brought up in the movie but that's just you know it's just lost in the in the sea of like what ifs going on in this fucking yeah. movie but the biggest piece of evidence is that once once jean jacket fully unfurls and becomes that insane shape still the opening like maw is like a perfect uh camera aperture square yes that's yes. those are the opening yes, credits perfect of the movie. square when Which, you're going oh, through man, you're so going good. through the fucking esophagus and you don't even know that's it. so good of the beginning of the movie of like a thing you never would have thought of twice and then seeing the movie a second time and you're like oh my god that's the mouse that's i'm going incredible. into the creature which by the um, way when when you get to the end of the credits and it says written directed and produced by jordan peele i was like fuck yeah motherfucker <laughs> i'm in let's fucking go baby um i i just ernie you should you should put these that at the end of these videos at the end of every podcast oh, yeah. you put written directed and produced by ernest calder um i will say this is like kind of a little bit of a sidebar based on what you were saying but it's tying back to something we were talking about earlier I love how unafraid Jordan Peele is to just wear his influences on his sleeve. That's one of my favorite things about him. Like, oh, are you going to get into the anime of it all? Well, I mean, even before I get into the anime of it, like going back to all yeah, of I his films, hear, I want to hear this. The influences are everywhere. If you didn't know that, uh, he, that Jordan Peele was inspired by a little guy named Steven Spielberg by the Close Encounters of it all. They literally kill the monster the same way that they kill the shark in Jaws. Like the same way of we're going to blow it up from the inside. Mm -hmm. Like they are just trying. He is completely unafraid to try to pay homage to people who he's inspired by. Whenever the kids are dressed up like the aliens and they show up, oh, which by the way, great scene. such a great scene. So creepy. Everybody in the theater that had the get out moment in the theater of everybody being like, oh, fuck this. Oh, no. What the fuck? When you see <laughs> nope. the guy just stick his head out of the side of everybody, just no, nah, no, nah, man. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm just That's just straight up out of signs, like that whole sequence. But anime is all over this movie my guy loves some anime and we love him for it um the big thing was the big piece that was going around on twitter was a literal shot for shot remake of the bike slide from akira, akira yeah. uh that kiki akira. palmer does whenever at the end of the film right before she gets the shot but the creature that we see at the end of this movie is basically an angel from neon genesis evangelion like if you have ever watched that show by the way do it it's 23 episodes and it's the best series ever like yeah, it's this, up there with just this is gonna make me finally finally want to watch it because it's the, like yeah. the best it's one of the best television shows ever made um but it's so clear what he's trying to do with capturing this like evil creature that could spell the doom for humanity and if you just look at it it's so beautiful and like you cannot take your eyes away from it even though you know that it's just like wreaking so much destruction on all of the world around it and what it means for like human beings but then at the same time human beings are kind of the reason why this monster is wreaking havoc in the first place mm. how that ties in is uh it's so well it's so well paid homage to in this movie does evangelion get into that idea of like 
by looking at it, you're sealing your fate. Like you're you're kind of securing how doomed you are. I mean, not, not directly in the same way of like don't make eye contact with it, but in the way of like being almost paralyzed by it at mm. a certain to a certain extent, which is, I mean, especially towards the end of the movie, there's been a few things I've read online of like why does it show its true form at the end and the way that i saw it is just like you know it's like a peacock like showing its feathers yeah or like any animal it was pretty clear to me yeah it's i've just I've seen a lot of people who just didn't they're like why didn't it just look like that the whole time it's like well yeah. because i was thinking about like a like, like a gila like monster you know right yeah just whenever you're on nature like especially a predator wants to get your attention in some way to distract you so that they can kill yeah. you. And most of the movie it's trying to fucking hide. Also the point you made at the beginning drew just, it's a movie. <laughs> it, it just looks beautiful. It's just better to save that for the fucking end of the movie to shock you and leave you with like that feeling of like, Oh my God, <laughs> what if, what have I witnessed? Yeah. Um. One thing I wanted to mention about the creature. So, I think Jean Jacket is going to be like, again, like I probably sound like such a fucking douchebag, but like the monolith in 2001 yeah, no, Space it, Odyssey, like for years to come, people are going to find so many different ways to break apart and decipher what Peel is trying to say with this creature and what it represents and what it symbolizes and I'm going to be so curious to see like what people take out of this movie as it ages. And right now, the biggest thing I can think of is honestly like um, Bo Burnham's inside and specifically some of the interviews. Cause I, I listened to um, dissect the, 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 the podcast that usually dissects albums, but they did inside. So Cole Kushner talks a lot about like, the visual component obviously of inside and a lot of the interviews that Bo Burnham did kind of informing the ideas that he's conveying in inside. And one of the things that, that to take away from what Bo is, is saying in that and what Colt touches on is the idea of like the eye of the camera, the lens of the camera and what it does to you and what happens when you look at it psychologically, when you make eye contact with the lens of a camera and how paralyzing it can be and how it's almost like the eye of God staring into your soul and how uh, it literally like changes how you behave and how you act mm -hmm. and what you do when you know you're being recorded. And I could not stop thinking about that watching this movie and just thinking about this creature being a symbol for the eye of a camera and and this idea of like not wanting to look into the lens of the camera because otherwise you're sealing your fate, you're dooming yourself to to destruction essentially. And that just ties into like, all of these concepts and ideas about like our addiction to content and turning everything into content. And it just, it just set my fucking gear spinning because there's a lot of connective tissue there with that idea with inside. Um, and also we should talk about the TMZ guy. 
um what do you yeah guys i was gonna bring that, that up because that obviously that's like you know arguably the most heavy-handed part of the whole movie um is him showing up you know toward the very end just to really cement <laughs> certain certain things the whole idea of like you'll do literally anything to get the shot or because i mean that's a whole thing is if you work for tmz if you get like hired to be a person to get a shot of something like that if you don't get the shot you're just fired like that's just kind of it that's the whole thing it, tmz is literally yeah. a a corporation that's made to exploit like that is the purpose of tmz uh see the lawsuit that's happening in los angeles right now because they broke the news about kobe bryant dying before kobe bryant's family could find out like Oof. that is their whole mo once i heard the uh you know the analysis from the the person uh who had formerly worked at tmz where in which like he said yeah that's pretty realistic to what someone would actually act like who worked at tmz um i you know i i sort of accepted that scene a little bit more because at first i was really just annoyed by that guy um, it's a cool look i love the mirror helmet that's fucking awesome chrome helmet yeah it, it was even like his audio is mixed so loud like his yeah. voice is louder than anyone else's and so him to just show up and looks creepy as hell his acting is a little bit too is a little too much for me i guess you can't see his face though like you kind of have the actor's like doing what he can with you know being having his face covered up. no i know yeah it's more it's more just like if i were to delete anything at all it would just be oh my camera i'm my camera my camera my like camera. a lot of and that seemed like i i sort of heard some snickers in the theater when that guy was like on screen where it was like okay you know well, it is, it's, it's kind of funny though i thought i'd like i took it like i was a little bit laughing at like this guy's so ridiculous yeah. right now and of course he's like this character showing up during the big climactic sequence we have to deal with this fucking guy right here tmz chrome <laughs> helmet guy um driving of course you're driving an electric bike go fuck yourself my guy like what who even are you well you need the um, bike to set up uh yeah i'm having no it, it later it's, it works out perfect but like it's yeah um ernie i do want to go back and I'm going to join you on pretentious island here because whenever you talked about the monolith from 2001, yeah. um, you know, it, it's you're setting yourself up to be uh, ridiculed in some way, shape or form. <laughs> but like, bros. I can't overstate the fact that I thought that I had seen every single way that aliens had been could be done. Right. I thought that I'd seen it all. Like, I really thought like I've seen. I don't know, probably a hundred alien movies at this point from everything from a movie like Alien where there's a little creature to Invasion of the Body Snatchers to like everything. But I've never seen aliens done like this before. And that is kind of the same type of thing. The At least not even just from what it means storyline wise, but aesthetically it's just a whole new take than i thought that yeah, we had kind of that's, that's reached a point where we were a little bit rudderless of mm -hmm. what you could do for this type of story and this movie just made me inspired of like oh no i can still be surprised i can still exactly. be totally swept away and see things i've never seen before yeah there there are sequences and shots and ideas that like are legitimate new entries into like general horror canon uh general like you know i guess like you could call it like blockbuster canon just like big cinema canon um 
there, like he has new angles in every movie he does, but this movie introduces a lot of new, like it, it would be one thing if it was just like one of, you know, one of the several, but like all over this movie, there are shots or, or just like, you know, images um, that really, they struck me as like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, that that's like, that'll end up in a montage someday. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that, that's significant. I think that Jordan Peele, he's at like this interesting point with this film in particular. And I really hope that he kind of reaches this exact level of ambiguity in his movies moving forward, because I like that we aren't in a, we aren't going full David Lynch where like a lot of stuff is just confusing for the sake of being confusing and stuff like that. Say that from the bottom of my heart is loving David Lynch. We aren't Mm -hmm. in his us side where we're over explaining everything. And we also aren't in like, I don't know. I think of something as much as I love this movie and I had it in my top 10 movies of the decade, but even like uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, enemy where it is, so neat and you can just wrap it all up in a box and figure out every single metaphor and what it means if you watch a 12 minute youtube video i like that this is a little bit messier than that it's not exactly so overly ambiguous that you are having to just constantly game theorizing everything because as much as i love movies that do that whenever they are done well Jordan Peele is doing something different than David Lynch. Jordan Peele is making movies that can make a hundred plus million dollars at the box office. And that I want him to keep doing that. I want him to be the next great tentpole original filmmaking blockbuster director that we have. Yeah. But I like that. I like that we have some ambiguity in there because that's, you don't get those two things at the same time it's all about what he's interested in doing moving forward, because obviously if he wanted this strictly to do well, he would have done things a little, you know, he, there are tweaks he could have made to make it more digestible for people. And he didn't want to, because he's, he's like a vision first guy. He wanted to make the movie that he thought of, which we're lucky. We're, we're lucky. This isn't a studio (laughs) notes movie. I really appreciate the vagueness. I appreciate the, the frayed ends of this movie. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, there are two different types of vague movies there, you know, and it's the types that afterward, when you think about it, you get mad. And afterward, when you think about it, you like it more. Um, And it's, this to me is like so clearly one that gains steam in your head afterward um, because you can be rawly entertained by it um, and, and miss out on a lot of, you know, the, the heavier things going on, or at least like pay less, you know, credence to them. Um, which like I would highly recommend if you're someone who watches movies for entertainment purposes, because this is entertaining. Yeah. I don't know how you guys feel, but this almost felt like Jordan Peele trying to say like, Hey, I'm not just a horror director guy. Like this feels well, yeah, not just that, but that. I'm also not, I'm not get out. Well, it's it's definitely he's moved past the whole like I'm a socially aware director, which I think is kind of an unfair label that would only get put on because he's a black director. But this movie still has that connective tissue like this movie is about descendants of like 
the first black filmmaker essentially yeah. no it has that but it's also not like in like a preachy way of uh you know it's not trying to be like overly preachy and none of his films have been preachy it's to be just clear, yeah but... it's not it's but no this movie is not about a social issue in the way that especially get out is but um it, it's it's also because like the success like his success has spawned studios to try to imitate it in the worst ways possible in which you movies are released with the the message coming way before the script is even written like and that is like the exact wrong way to come about you know a project like the 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 moral comes before even an idea for a story in a lot of movies now and it's people thinking was, of yeah what people are going the take home message of it's going to be before anything and that was comes. yeah and that was never Jordan's mo um and so like the industry's tried to pigeonhole him in a million different ways and he's saying no 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 mm-hmm. no um I can do a lot of different shit he he this movie felt like the most classic cinema in a ton of ways um particularly like I don't I don't think that slowing down the pacing was just for weird effect I think it's it, like it, this movie, it made it feel like it came from the seventies or eighties. You know, it it like it felt from a different decade um, stylistically in a lot of ways, despite having a good amount of currency to it. So I think I think he's a dude who will consistently buck whatever we are thinking he's going to do next. Um, and I I absolutely love that. I think he he has a fascinating mind. There there's obviously because of Key and Peele before this, there are so many videos. Um, you can watch with like dramatic irony now because you know what we know about him now, but back then we didn't know. (laughs) Um, And it's just, it's fucking fascinating because I've listened to like a lot of in-depth interviews of him talking about, you know, comedy, like he and Peele and like there are little snippets here and there where like Keegan-Michael Key will be like, yeah, well, I mean, Jordan has like the Rain Man thing. Like he's like a different type of human. Um, And it's like, huh, interesting. He's still waiting by that phone. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> if you ever get around to it, Jordan, you know, oh, okay. there's an Yanu 2 is coming. Um, no, but th- so the reason why I brought that up, though, is because I I could really see his next movie being like, it's not horror at all. Right. Because I think that this is the least horror of any movie that he's made. And I think that he's trying to kind of, you know, when you make your first movie get out and us was he was already starting to work on us whenever get out had come out but like you have those first two movies and people are like you're the horror guy you're doing horror things and there's a lot of i feel like it's it's one of those same reasons why marvel kind of targets horror directors like indie horror directors to come in and make their little marvel movies is because Making horror movies doesn't necessarily mean that you're just only good at making horror. It means that you are really good at creating tension and creating suspense. And this movie is more suspenseful than it is scary at any point in its right. runtime. And so I wouldn't be surprised if his next well, movie the Gordy, is just the Gordy like, stuff is pretty scary if you're not, especially is, if you're not fucking ready for that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. Well, it is, it's scary, but like, I don't know. It's more upsetting than scary. Right. I think that honestly, the best like horror scene is that scene with the kids dressed up like yeah. aliens. It's like, shot. That is I mean, it's shot like true... a traditional kind of horror. Sequence. Yeah. And I think that because the movie part of the way that's marketed and just because it's an alien movie, so much of it's set at night, you can still like kind of capitalize on those um, 
poor expectations going into a movie like this. But I would not be surprised if his next movie, if he's just like, I want to make something completely different. And maybe there will be a sequence here or there that has some horror type themes to it. But I just want to make a completely original blockbuster of some other kind. And it's not going to have any yeah. kind of like horror preconceptions. Because he can, to it. this man, I mean, he can make this shit out of whatever and I'd watch it. We know, we know his, his chops in comedy, but uh, he can make an action movie. Because mm-hmm. another, another reason that they go after horror people with something like Marvel is you do have to use some amount of effects whether they be practical or special in most horror you know as opposed to like if you just make like an indie dramedy it can really just be a lot of shots you know non-dynamic shots of people talking horror requires a lot of dynamism even at a low level um and he's at the highest level you know doing the highest level of filmmaking you know that we have right now so i i don't i think the sky's the limit for him and i don't even want to try to predict what he's got next because i i want him to prove whatever i say wrong you know kind of going back to the the whole like exploitation thing and and basically like if we see these characters are exploiting the alien for their own gain what is the difference between how oj exploits it and how jupe exploits it um oj is not a fucking idiot (laughs) Well, because they're both rooted in trauma, right? I know. Like, no, you're right. Like the the they're they're both trying to accomplish the same thing. They're both trying to capture the spectacle of this. OJ. Creature. Well, the, in, the thing is, in order to you know, quote unquote, reach an agreement with the the beast the way that OJ does, he has an immense sense of empathy for it. Like he understands its he how it feels. It. Yeah, and and. Jupe, I mean, Jupe does to an extent, um, but he is also, you know, the way that he's explaining it, A, is super kitschy and like, like lame to watch and almost like, you know, it's, it's like putting a bowl in a rodeo. It's like offensive to the bowl almost. You're just like tying its nuts up and making it jump around. Whereas, you know, OJ is, is doing something a lot more naturalistic. He's literally just trying to get it to be itself, but on camera. Yeah. Um, and, and he understands how to do that without, you know, making it fucking mad. I don't know. I, Cause people are stupid with animals, you know, people, people really don't take the time it's... to understand the rules of different animals. Like there are, yeah, it is a set of rules. Um, and it does sort of relate back, like you were saying to the laws of nature. Um, it almost, this movie reminded me a lot of the book Ishmael, um, which is all about how every organism on earth follows a set of rules that humans don't um mm-hmm. and that's why we're fucking everything up uh that's sort of there's what the an order about. to the chaos and yeah, i think exactly. that as a as a horse wrangler oj understands yeah that. oj is oj is like we have to follow the rules with this thing even if we're trying to like get it like right we still have to know our place yeah you know? oj's not like we should let horses just be wild animals like we can we can use them but we need to understand that or at least even if we don't understand them understand that they're they're beings with they are autonomous beings yeah it's empathizing. that we can't overpower yeah you it's, it's to- still you're still empathizing with it as a living creature and i mean there's that whole thing about you know oj is like trying to 
save up money so that he can buy back his horses. He has no idea that he ain't uh, back. fucking Stephen Young has just been fucking feeding his horses to this alien creature this whole time. Um, and I mean, towards the end of the movie, he's just like, I'm not just going to sacrifice a horse so that we can get this shot. Like, I will risk my own life to prevent the life of this animal yeah. dying. What's more of an interesting idea so like i was i was thinking about this cuz steven yun is like has this whole thing of like every time they come out here and i feed them a horse and everything else like that so steven yun is just like laying the bait for this shark yeah. to come right like he's show. he is just the entire reason why this is all happening yeah. it's, yeah, it's it like just, it's by, like, like fucking like gatorland happened once <laughs> you know? and then yeah Pretty much, it's Gator it's Gatorland. I wanted more Stephen Yoon in this movie. Like that that shot when he looks up at Jean Jacket before he gets sucked up is mm-hmm. a great, great shot. He's uh, the best fucking actor in the damn world. I swear, guys. We like, never so so good. see him again. That's the last time we see him. I'm like, no, I wanted more from you. Well, that, he yeah. he did um he did die in that scene. I know, I know, <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like, unfortunately, it's just like there's a whole other half of the movie that he's just not in. And it just kind of, no, I know that's the paradox of using Steven Yeun. Well, I will simply want more of Steven Yeun. (laughs) I did want to bring up uh, one nitpick kind of going back to what I said at the beginning about, you know, not getting enough emotional setup uh, from some of these characters is like at the end, there's a moment where they're like, the two siblings, OJ and M are like staring at each other and they're doing these, this eye thing to each other. And there's that beat kind of lingers a good bit. And, and it, I, my editor brain kind of kicked in and I was like, we're getting a lot of shots of these two, like staring at each other. And I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I know exactly what you're talking about because it was making me think about like montage theory and it's like, oh, well, if you cut to this and then this, people will know that they're related. And it was like, I don't know how these shots are related. Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to say. Well, it's 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 trying to be a payoff to something that wasn't well set up. They must have cut out a lot from this movie to make it like more of a palatable, pal- palatable runtime because you do get oh, that I'm one sure. small um, flashback to them as kids. And they probably cut like everything that they yeah, shot. Yeah, I'm sure there was a decent out, amount, and they're just like, "We're gonna add in one... three lines." Yeah. yeah. So it's you're getting this payoff at the end of them like staring at each other and having this like sibling bond. And I was like, I wish that this was set up more because throughout this whole movie, I've been invested in the ride. It's been a fun ride, but I'm not really connecting to these two people as much as I want to. And especially mm-hmm. connecting to M because like Kaluuya is putting in the work and like he without saying many lines, like I'm feeling a lot from that character and his journey and what he's he's going through. But with M, I'm like she, her. She kind of becomes like the hero of the story at the end of the movie. And like I didn't feel like there was enough setup at the beginning to kind of get us to a point where we're like embracing us like seeing this hero that takes over the movie so i kind of wanted more from that like more emotional human journey and and the the sibling dynamic that's not quite paid off yeah so i agree with that i agree with that and then in the same vein um 
I I really enjoyed the insane cinematographer character, but the way that he just sort of comes out of nowhere toward the end of this movie is is absolutely batshit, and it's fun, but it also would have been I don't know I would have appreciated a little warning. <laughs> so that's where I thought that you were Those actually going to go with the felt like something was cut for time because that was I don't know the sibling thing. I think that it's just Kaluya and Kiki Palmer that they just have really good chemistry together that. I didn't really ever have an issue with their relationship or with like how Kiki kind of, I mean, they both saved the day in their own way. Um, and then we have like literally again, wearing your influences on your sleeve, just straight up like the end of the searchers of just like the John Wayne shot of Daniel Kaluuya on the horse there, like just really going all in on that for the John Fordisms, But the if anything the cinematographer character i get that he you know he's was once a great cinematographer is now resigned to like work on commercials i guess and just watch animals killing each other for fun that's jordan peele being like here's a hint here's a little here's a little hint for you so like what's on my mind with this movie so why is he so into like yeah, you guys were very vague on this phone call, but I'll definitely come out for a job that you aren't going to pay me the for. The way that he understands what they're talking about. That's the biggest leap of faith in this entire movie. Is like, If someone called me and said what they were saying, yeah. I, I wouldn't be like, oh, you have aliens in your in your backyard? <laughs> well, he gets there. He gets there and he's already like staring at the cloud. So it's like, they yada yada a lot of that in between stuff. Exactly. You're kind of just, just that, filling the gaps. Well, not that. No, it's the getting him there where it's just like, why would he show up? And he's just like, yeah, remember that, like, that weird, like, those two horse people who you met <laughs> that didn't end up being involved in the commercial you're shooting at all? They got kicked out because they destroyed They're the now set. calling you and they're like, hey, there's an alien at our place. Um, well, the, they didn't even say that, is what's so crazy. They were so vague. They were just like the stuff that, you know, that, that dreams are made of. Yeah, you know, you know that one moment everyone just just would <laughs> die to get it on camera. He's like, "Oh yeah, aliens for sure." It's like, hey, are you a big Lin Manuel Miranda fan? Do you not want to throw away your shot? <laughs> I I am gonna be uh, inspired by this man to take up uh, old timey cameras now. I'm, I'm, that's going to be my new thing. I'm going to be just, an old, old timey camera guy. That's going to, we're, we're going to shoot the pod on like celluloid now. No, well, I was expecting for us to fully get through this podcast and you'd be like, it's golden hour. We have to keep recording. I mean, that dude, that'd be me. I'd get sucked up into that thing so quick. It's funny though, because it's like he, you think he's doing it to get a better shot than the one he just got. But then he immediately gets fucking sucked up. Like, no one's going to recover that Do they have the film footage? Did the film get sucked up or no? Is that safe? Unclear. If so, like, talk about unanswerable question thing. That guy fucked up everything. Because let me tell you, (laughs) one photo from, like, a weird well that you wind a lever and it takes the photo above you that you see the alien. That's not not proving the aliens exist. That's not Oprah. The (laughs) shots... That he, this man's panning around with getting, the that, shit. if anything, is proving. <laughs> and because the fucking lighting is wrong, this guy's <laughs> fucking it up for everybody. All right. Uh, two quick things before we wrap up here. Um, 
uh, I guess they're two sides of the same thing. Uh, the Scorpion King crew hoodie that Columbia oh, wears. So good. And the Steven Yoon UFO red jacket. Just sick. Incredible Great costume fits. design work. Like, the, yeah, shit. I love that theme park, the little theme park in general, um, and how it sort of you know encapsulates the the plot of the movie and its theme because it's just cowboy alien theme park yeah perfect. very fun it's right, themed any, after any the other film films? cowboys and aliens is what you're saying right? oh yeah harrison ford and daniel craig we love it's them. a yeah a Wild Wild West any any last thoughts on nope boys no i just i really really loved it um i i don't know i just want to urge anyone who's sort of upset that they had to like toss this around in their head a bunch and still didn't come up with the right answers i used to be like that with movies i used to want i used to want every loose end to be tied up i didn't want to i didn't i thought that if a movie left me confused it had failed and that is really incorrect uh not like objectively of course it's just if once you get over that hump you can really expose yourself to some good ass fucking cinema if you're not just like if you're not wanting everything to be spoon fed into your fucking mouth, you know what I mean? And it's I don't easier, mean to condescend easier said than done. See, I know. uh, Alex Garland's men from earlier this year where, uh, well, a that's the thing, men. Thing. Talk well, about that's a movie that might've aged worse as it's been sitting in my brain. Also, there, there are a lot of movies that leave you upset because of how vague they are. And those are just bad, vague movies, but there's a way to yeah. do it. Right. And, and I would argue it's... that this movie did it almost entirely right. I love yeah. it. It's why, despite using the phrase Lynchian, I kind of like uh, revulse a little bit whenever I hear other people describe things as Lynchian because it's like, oh, cool. So it's just vague. And usually you're describing a bad thing whenever you hear it's like bag and bad and open ended and you don't actually understand what Lynchian truly means. But um, no, this movie rocks. I think I like it even more after talking through it again again. it's a movie that the more that i talk and the more that i think about i'm just like god this movie fucking rules because it's the thing is like there's all these grand ideas and big things that we talked about but it's also just so much fun like it's just a blast i i just i i love it i cannot wait to see this movie again all right hell yeah let's wrap it up there thank you so much for listening and watching please rate review subscribe like and comment and let us know what you thought of nope Thank you, beautiful donors, for donating. Please check out webottomike.net for the full archive. And you can also become a donor there. Join the fam, the Wobam fam. Next week, we got Flubber getting back to Robin with a, a big old classic. A green, translucent, kind of kind of sexy, kind of horny. It's going to be an unhinged episode. I'm I'm excited for that discussion because that's an unhinged movie. So and uh yeah, besides that, we're we're kind of back in in the Robin full swing. Goodwill Hunting, bunch of other really good uh big ones uh coming up cuz there's not there's not too much else on the horizon. We are definitely planning on bringing you a a better call Saul ep uh with the the series finale of better call saul around the corner which by the way after last week's episode of better call saul i can't make the yup joke anymore about nope 
Uh, yup, it's forever ruined for me after uh, this week's Better Call Saul. Yeah, as a, as a fan of uh, Storage Wars, I got to say the same thing. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's ruined by that one guy who always goes yep. yup. <laughs> as a f- as just someone who's witnessed the discord of YEP versus YUP Oof. online, mm-hmm. I Brutal. have to just I have to sit out on this one. Yeah. Are you guys YEP or YUP yeppers? Uh, it depends on the mood. You know, if I'm Are you more like to... a yip or like a yup? I say yup. Yeah. I, I think yup is more like tongue in cheek. Yup is more like affirmative. Yeah, I feel like as I'm moving into my 30s, I'm becoming more of a yip versus a yup. <laughs> yip? <laughs> yeah, I had two e's and two e's in there. I'm a yip. Also, at some point, we got to talk rehearsal, boys. HBO, oh. Nathan Fielder. <laughs> it's the show right now. Um, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. And uh, yeah, I think it's only six episodes. Yeah, it's only so six. I'm going to have to collect Fortunately. Myself. Yeah, to talk about it. So when when it when it ends, we have to wait end. for it to wrap because I. It's a journey. Just... It's a journey. Oh man! <laughs> all right. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. We love you. Bye bye. Bye.